once I am born again, forever safe in my Savior's hand. You are more than my words could say. I'll follow you, Lord, for all my days. Fix my eyes, follow in your ways. Forever free in unending grace. Because you are, you are, you are my freedom.
TJ Skiles and his family, they were voted in with a 100% um, vote. Can we give God a hand? So um, the next thing to be praying for is for them to move here quickly. They need to find a house to buy. So that's the next thing on their agenda. They're, they are making plans to be here in September. So keep them in your prayers and be on the lookout for houses here. Um, next, I have some special guests I want to introduce. Um, speaking for us today is a friend of mine, Josh Utterback, and his family. Wave at us, Josh. So. so I recently reconnected with him on Facebook, and uh, I've heard him speak. He's a great speaker, and I knew that um, he would jump at the opportunity to be with us today. And then we have another special treat. Um, we have a missionary with us from um, the IU campus, Marie Hugershoff, I hope I said that right, and her fiance, Chris, and she's going to be speaking to you just here in a few minutes. And um, as she does speak about IU and uh, Pi Alpha, her ministry, um, be thinking about uh, what you could give in the offering designated for her ministry. And uh, if you want to do that, you'll have, you could do it online like we've been doing, just make a designation to IU sure that she gets that offering and um, she's also looking for monthly pledges and I'm sure she can talk a little more about that and you guys can talk to her after church but um, she has a video that we're going to show and then um, she'll come up what Chi Alpha is Before I got to college, I was like asking whoever was up there at that time, like, hey, I just want friends, like I'm so alone. I don't have any family here. And within a week during welcome week, I got in this girl's car and she took me somewhere and we hung out after that. <laughs> I'm just so ready to become like part of Jesus' kingdom and like follow him and walk with him and fill myself with the Holy Spirit every day. Being part of Chi Alpha, really open my eyes to what God can really do for you and for me and like for everyone. Now I can say that I really know what it means to be baptized and I'm really ready to give my life over to Jesus. I actually didn't really grow up in a Christian home um, and I had kind of seen God in passing but I was never formally introduced and what I had seen of God I didn't really like and I kind of resented him and I made a point of not having God in my life. 
I kind of spiraled into this darkness um, that kind of culminated in me attempting to take my own life. But God wasn't finished with me yet. And he brought a lot of really awesome people into my life who um, spoke a lot of truth into my heart and brought a lot of peace and light to me. And for a long time, I didn't attribute that to God. But the more that I saw him in my life, things just got a lot better. Bringing God into my life just it kind of got me over that hump. I had kind of reached a plateau. And even just in the past few weeks, I've kind of learned that God doesn't make things that are disposable. He makes things in His image, and He creates people to be part of His kingdom. And I'm really excited to join His kingdom. I ran as far as I could go, and um, I ended up being diagnosed with depression and, like, attempted to take my own life and I was in a really, really, really dark place and um, this year I found God again and I'm ready to commit to following Him for the rest of my life because He has cured my depression and He has um, done such amazing things in the last couple weeks. The last year I feel like I've grown so much in my faith and I've been thinking about getting baptized for a while now and I'm just really excited, you know, like the old life is going to be gone and I'm ready to start a new life starting tonight. I just kind of let Christ go for a little bit and I just had to back away and kind of do my own thing. But then a couple years ago I found him and I've been with him ever since and I've decided that tonight's tonight that I give myself to him. Just in the last couple months I've decided I want to fully know God. I want to pursue a more personal devoted relationship with him and live for him. Growing up, I thought just believing in God and praying now and then was enough. I failed to see how important it is to seek after God as well as recognize everything He has done for me. God is my strength and comfort, and by trusting in Him, I am able to be at peace with even my biggest worries. It's amazing to me that I am known to God and loved by Him despite all my flaws. Today, I'm telling the world that Jesus rescued me, and I promise to follow Him for the rest of my life. Many stories I can tell about all God's done through the years, but I think what God's done the most during my time in uh, college has just shown me through Chi Alpha just the value of relationships and just how, um, how good life can be whenever you're doing it together with people who genuinely love God, who genuinely love you, and who will genuinely fight for you. But when I got to college, something changed. I began to have my own relationship with God. As my college journey continued, I realized that something had changed in my life. I was putting my confidence in God instead of in other things. Throughout my life, I had struggled with a lot of insecurity and anxiety and that have consumed my life. And once I started to trust in God fully, those things all started to fade away. I have stepped off the path and made many mistakes, but God has forgiven my past and I am now able to move forward in my new and stronger life with Christ as the center. I'm just very grateful to be in God's presence and to see how good He is and how He will accept me no matter what. And I'm just so grateful to be here and to be able to express my faith to other people and to show them that no matter what, that you can come back to God and He's always going to be there for you. And just like, I was one of those standstill moments where I just like had to stop and just like look around and like weirdly smile because it was just so beautiful to see everyone, guys, girls, different races, just coming together and praising the Lord just so passionately and seeking after Him in just submission and surrender. And that was one of my most cherished memories at IU Chi Alpha.
much for having me today. Like David said, um, my name is Marie, and I'm here with my fiance, Christopher. Um, we're a part of Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship at IU. Um, I am on staff. I've been a part of the ministry for six years, um, four as a student, two as a staff member, and Chris is a student right now, and he leads a small group on campus. So um, if you need a student's perspective of our ministry, he's the guy to talk to. Um, but yeah, I Sorry if that video is a little long, um, but we just had a lot of really amazing things happen last year, and that's kind of the highlights. And I think it's a really good representation of what our ministry is. We have a really beautiful community. We have a lot of fun together, and God does some amazing things. Like you could see, we had a lot of students get baptized, and all of the students that were speaking in the video, those were testimonies that were given um, by students. So um, even though last year was a little bit weird um, and it was cut short, God still did some really amazing things at IU. Um, and so really quickly, I just want to share with you a little bit about our ministry and kind of the overall vision that we have for Chi Alpha and why we believe that it's so important um, to be at Indiana University and universities around the world. Um, so we kind of say in Chi Alpha, it's kind of a saying that we have that um, the university campus is one of the most strategic mission fields in the world um, because you have thousands of students from all over the world, from every state you can imagine coming to a city and they're gathered for a short season and then they go out and they go to the world to places that we can't go to and if we have the ability to share Jesus with them and they can come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is while they're at the university that we're at, then they can go and they can share the gospel with people that I will never meet, that I will never know. And they can transform cities and countries and families. And we believe that God can do that and we've seen him do it. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but just 20 minutes from here at Indiana University during the school year, there are people from every single state in the United States and people from over 130 countries from around the world. And that's a lot of countries, that's a lot of cities that can be transformed to know who Jesus is. Um, a lot of people who can be saved and join his kingdom. When a student from Indiana University comes here, meets someone in our, in our ministry, and then they come to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus, we just see him transform the world. Um, and we're really thankful to be a part of that. I'm really thankful to be a part of that and see what God does through our ministry. And there's a lot more that goes into it. There's a lot more that we do. And if you want to know more, I would love to speak with you. If you want to know how you can support us, um, how you can be praying for us, um, we'll be hanging out after the service. We'll be out in the lobby. Um, and we'd just love to talk to you and share more. I want to keep it short because I know the video is kind of long. Um, but just thank you so much for having us today, and I hope that uh, we get to speak to you after the service. Thank you. Let's stand and continue our worship this morning. If you can, let's just raise our hands and let's just thank God. What a blessing that video was to see those students reaching out to the Lord. Thank you. 
hearts change, to see people change forever. God, we desire that, Lord Jesus. Father God, we just want your presence here in a strong way. Lord Jesus, that your anointing would be here to break yokes, to set captives free, to bring people to a saving knowledge of you, to bring healing, Father God, in those who might be hurting. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are welcome in this place, God. Buried bodies 
You're worthy, Jesus. Go ahead and just lift him up a little bit more. Just a little bit longer. Just in your own words, begin to worship him. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, Jesus. We're here for you today, Jesus. Nothing else, God. You're not, you're not part of the reason. You are the reason, God. We honor you, Jesus. We lift you up. We give you praise because you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Have you seen what's going on in the country? Doesn't matter. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. And we just lavish our praise upon you today, God. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Lord, there's no one like you, God. You're holy, holy, holy. You're holy, 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 God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you're good. You're so good, Father. Lord, have your way in this house today, God. Lord, we want to meet you face to face, Jesus. We want to encounter you, God, for all that you are, God. Let us not leave this place the way we came in, God. But let us go knowing you deeper, knowing you more, God. Burning hotter for you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. You're good. You're good. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everyone. Thank you, worship team. You guys are amazing. Aren't they amazing? Well, I am Josh Utterback. Um, I've, I've met some of you before, and some of you I have not, but that is okay. Jesus is good. He is good. Man, I don't know about you guys, but watching that video, uh, don't you love seeing the kingdom get advanced? Isn't it so good? Jesus loves, you know, we, 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 th we think it's hard, but it's not. Because he said the harvest is white and it's ready. So, it, so nowhere does the Bible say pray for the harvest, that it would be ready. The Bible says pray for the workers. Because we need workers in this harvest. So I'm thankful for all the workers that are sitting here today. Because if you're in the family, if you're in the kingdom, you're a worker. You're a harvester. If you're a missionary... We like to call you an international harvester. I won't do that all morning. You're welcome. Um, Jesus is good. About three years ago, four years ago, the Lord started putting a discontentment, if you will, I, an unsatisfied feeling in our hearts, my family's hearts, about where we were at, what we were doing. And we started thinking about doing stuff like, like selling all that we own and, and going off on a missions program or something like that. And we prayed about one particularly. Um, there was a missions base in Hawaii. I don't know, you have to pray real hard for that one, don't you? Um, that we were looking to go to, but we just felt like the Lord was like, no, that's not it. And so we decided... Um, well, we didn't really know what to do, and then someone in our life that we trust came up to us and said, have you thought about Harvest School? Now, I knew I've heard of Harvest School, Harvest School. How, how many of you have heard of Heidi Baker? Anybody hear of Heidi Baker? Okay, Harvest School is the school under Heidi, that, that Heidi and her husband Roland had started. 
And I, when, when he said, have you thought about Harvest School? I thought, or have you heard of Harvest School? I thought, yes, and not interested, thank you. Because they crazy. Um, they go to crazy, crazy places. They go to the darkest parts of the world. And I'm like, and not to mention, to go to school, you're in Pemba, Mozambique. No thanks, I like my air conditioning, I like my, my fir everything first world. I, I, I like it a lot. <laughs> I like my food. I love my food. And, and this person said, well, how about this? How about you listen to this podcast? Because I couldn't help but think of you and your wife while, you, while, I, while I listened to it. And you just pray about it and tell me what you think. And when he said that, I thought, oh, no. This ain't good. <laughs> and so... I listened to the podcast and something gripped my heart. Because I heard story after story after story like that's in here, but happening today in this world. Crazy stuff that even was hard for me to believe when I heard it. And all of a sudden this hunger developed in my heart that I got to know the God of the Bible. Because this whole life I thought I did, but I don't. Because, because we see impossible situations and I back down and I cower. But these people are experiencing a God that we read about that I haven't seen. And so we start praying about it. We start, we start, and I listen to podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast. And I tell Jess, my wife, who feels like she was born a missionary. I did not feel that way. I said, Jess, I think we're supposed to go to harvest school. And she, Really? I said, yeah, I think we're supposed to go. And so it took years to get there. It was getting a leave of absence from my job. It's a two-month school, three months if you go on extended outreach. And so something that my company never done before, they'd given, given me a, a leave of absence. Not heard of. Had to go all the way to the top of the company to get approved. And we were getting ready to, we finally said, we, then all of a sudden war broke out in Pemba, and they started doing schools abroad that traveled, traveling schools. And the price of the school went up tremendously. And I was like, oh, I really want to go to Pemba. I went from one extreme to the next. And so I held off the first year, and then the second year the Lord spoke to us and said, it's now or never. And so we're like, okay. Oh, hey. Hey, I see you. I didn't see you guys up there. <laughs> I see you up there. Um, so, so we start making um, an effort. We start doing. We have no money. We don't even have the money to file for the application to go to the school. So we tell our church, we tell our friends, and we start. We start moving towards this thing because faith without works is dead. And so we start moving towards this thing. And money starts rolling in. And then we get the list of books we're supposed to read. I am not a reader. I, I'm not, I don't read a lot of books. And we get a list of books that we're supposed to read. And so I start reading them, and I come across the book. It's called Reese Howell's Intercessor, and it's an old book. Old book, pretty thick. And I dreaded this book more than any other book on the list because of how big it was. I ended up liking most of the books because they were really good. I do want to say. Um, but I read this book, and there was some weird stuff in it, but there was this thing like where God 
God told this man, like if he was reaching out to assert like the poor, the God would say, okay, but do you know what it's like to live like the poor? And I don't have theology for this, and I don't know what you do with this, but he would start dressing like the poor and eating what the poor ate. Because he believed to have authority with the poor, he had to experience what the poor experienced. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that. But I just thought, that's weird. Glad I'm not called to that. And then right before, it was a couple weeks before we were getting ready to leave, the money miraculously came in, over $25,000. I don't even know where it all came from. Like, glory to God, because it was amazing. But I was, uh, I was uh, a couple weeks before we go to leave, somebody came up to me and said, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to give you this. And it was a pocket knife. I was like, okay, thanks, you know. First person does it, it's like, yeah, that's pretty cool, thank you. I like knives. Then that was on Wednesday. Sunday, somebody else came to me that didn't know about the first knife and said, hey, I feel like God wanted me to give you this pocket knife. And I kind of took it, and I'm like, okay, now it's weird. Like one person wants to give me a pocket knife. Oh, that's nice. I had a scripture on it, you know. Then a second person said, here's a pocket knife. I feel like God wants me to give this to you. Okay. And so I kind of prayed about it. I'm like, Lord, are you trying to say something? What does this mean? And I had it, one day I had it on my desk at work. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm doing stuff on the computer. And I'm kind of praying, you know, intermittently. Lord, what does it mean? And I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you see that pocket knife? I'm like, yeah. He said, that pocket knife has no will of its own. It only does the will of the one that wields it. I got angry. I was like, God, you're not calling me to this. Like, like I have friends called the businessman. Like, you know what I mean? Like, can I just be real? Can I be completely genuine with you? I was not ready for that. And I was like, God, you want, you want what? And it took days before I was halfway okay with laying down even what I thought God had called me to. See, sometimes God will ask you to lay down what he called you to or what we think he calls us to. It's kind of like Abraham and Isaac, you know? The promised son. Oh, God would never call me to do that. Well, he did. And I had to, I had to make a decision. What did I want more? My purpose or Jesus? And that's a hard pill to swallow. Because I had come to a point, I thought they were the same. Does that make sense? I get to, I get, we get to harvest school, and this was even an easy harvest school. We started in Scotland. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's first world. It rains a lot. But besides that, it's, it's all right. And we get to Scotland, and there's a little Scottish woman there. See, us Americans are known for being loud all over the world. I found this out pretty quickly. We're known for being loud. We're really loud, and we're really opinionated. And like in the UK and places like that, not so much. They're more reserved, more quiet. Well, this Scottish woman was not that. 
And when she would preach, she would take that mic, and she'd hold that hand in her other Bible, and she would and she'd hurl up her hair and everything would move with it. And she would say, God wants you dead, dead, dead. And I'd never heard anyone preach like that before. And they talked about dying to self and, and, and dying for Jesus. And it was a new, it was it like, like I understand the concept and I understand that, but like now we're talking about applying this and what it looks like to die to self, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And I realized that what if God, God started speaking to me and said, what if I call you to the Congo? I was like, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I didn't want to come here. What if I call you to the Congo? Will you go? What if I call you and your family with your seven-year-old daughter, six, five-year-old at the time? What if I call her, your family to go to the Congo? The most dangerous place in the world for women, if you catch my drift. What if I call you to go there? What would you say? Harvest School has a saying that I quickly learned. God brings people here to die in the dirt. And what that means is we have to come to a place. We had, I had to come to this place where I said yes, no matter what the question was. And I had to understand that Jesus went through a lot for us, right? He died, and he was beaten, and he was mutilated. And who am I to think I'm better than him, and I don't have to go through that? That's a hard pill to swallow. That's not easy. Especially, first world Josh is having some problems with this. And I went through this process. And it wasn't an easy process because day one arriving at Harvest School, day one in the lobby of the hostel we stayed at, I threw my back out. Day one. Like things were not going in favor for me at this point. I'm in a new place. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm at. My phone doesn't work. I can't even look at GPS. I am lost in the streets of Scotland before I get to the hostel. Then we finally carry our duffel bags full of our junk. I don't know how many blocks it was. doesn't matter. I am not in shape to do that kind of thing. And I get in there, and I get them to the, the hostel and throw the bags down. They say, oh, you want the third floor. Of course I do. And so I, <laughs> I, I pick the bags up, and the moment I pick the bags up, I throw my back out, which was my greatest fear leading up to harvest school, that that would happen while I was overseas. Happened on day one, not even a full 24 hours in another country. Don't tell me that's a coincidence. <laughs> And I had to face myself. See, I come to realize that sometimes my greatest enemy is not the, not the devil. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes I'm the one that stands in the way. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. We will get there, I promise.
We go through harvest school. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. We go through harvest school. God wrecks our lives. I love all the kids in here because kids are a big deal to Iris. Big deal to Iris Ministries, which is the ministries that Heidi Baker has founded. Kids are a big deal, and they're a big deal to God. And there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. No such thing. We went through harvest school. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. We went through harvest school, and our daughter was with us. And we, were, we went to three places. We went to Scotland, Israel, and Madagascar. And the most time we spent was in Madagascar, which is a third world country. It's not in war. It's the poorest country in the world that's not in war. Um, so it's, st- it's still very poor. Um, and we were having class one day. And I, um, I left the room for a moment. And I come back. And I hear all this craziness going on in the room. And I'm thinking, what is happening? I left for just a minute. And I walk back in. And people are like encountering God. It's noisy. It's loud. People are crying. It's beautiful. And when one of the leaders of the school came up to me and said, do you know what's happening? I'm like, no. They said, your daughter walked out and started praying for people. Five years old. And she started giving them very specific words that dealt with their life specifically. And I had several people, we had several people come up to us afterwards and say, your daughter gave us this word and it was right on. She's five at the time. God loves kids, man. And he will use them. Sometimes I think it's easier for them because they don't have the what ifs and the, well, you know, all that going on in their head. You know, they're just like, oh, okay, we'll do this. Which is the way we should be, right? Like children. And, uh. But anyway, that was extra. Um, Anyway, Jesus took us through this journey of dying to self. Fast forward, we're back in the States, almost a year. Our heart cry is to go to the mission field now. Total flip-flop. Just want to hop on a plane, and I want to go to another country. That was our hearts. But we kept getting a red flag, kept getting a red flag, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't go. And then something amazing happened. We had an alumni event for our school in Tennessee, and we went down there just a couple weeks ago. And I go through the line, and as I'm going through the line, I get to the end, and there's a lady there that leads the school. And if anyone's going to give you a prophetic word, it's her, because she hears Jesus really clearly. And I was waiting for that word that said, hop on a plane. I was kind of waiting for it. And we're going through, do you know what a fire tunnel is? It's not nearly as scary as it sounds. Um, You have, you generally have people on one side and then people standing parallel to them, facing them on the other side, and you walk through and everyone prays for you as you go through. So like I said, not nearly as scary. It's the fire of Jesus, not, not literal fire. And so they were having a fire tunnel, and I get to the end, and she's there, and I'm like, all right, ready for the word. And she grabs my hands, and she starts thumping her hand on my chest. And she said these words, kiss Pemba goodbye, kiss Madagascar goodbye, kiss Scotland goodbye, kiss Israel goodbye. God is falling falling on you in America. And then she pushed me through, and I was like, what? 
I don't want to go, and you make me go. Then I want to go, and then you tell me to stay. You know what that is? That's dying to self. Because we have to come to this place that we're like a pocket knife in the hand of the master. That it doesn't matter to us how we're used. We're just so yielded to Jesus that what he says goes no matter what. No matter what. Man, I love it because like, because so I started changing the way I pray. All right, God, give me a heart. Give me a heart for the people around me. Give me a heart for the people of America. Give me a heart. Because I live in a small community. It's a very poor community. A lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. The mission is real. And something the Lord began showing me is that we're all missionaries. We all are. Every single one of us could open up our home and just start having a meal and inviting our neighbors. Every one of us could do that. Every one of us could start just loving the people right in front of us. The, the, Iris has a, um, a, a slogan, if you will, I guess. It's stop for the one. Like we got to quit making it like sometimes Christians think so big we don't know how to tackle it. You know what I mean? But ministry and seeing the kingdom advance, and I'm sure this is what Chi Alpha is doing, is just like this. Stop for the one in front of you. Because that one in front of you matters the world to Jesus. He paid everything for that one in front of you. So Luke chapter 9. I believe it's verse 32. Nope, nope it's not. Let me look over here. I looked it up in my phone. And now I'm trying to look it up in my physical Bible. I'm having issues. Twenty-three. Luke nine twenty-three. I know this isn't a popular message. Like, if you had a big Christian conference and said, this is the death conference where we come to die for Jesus, nobody's coming. It's like, well, give me the ticket for that. No, not happening. <laughs> it was a hard thing to let go of what I wanted to see to embrace what Jesus wanted to see. And I understand God gives us dreams and God gives us visions of things he wants to happen in our communities around us and how he wants to use that. I understand that. But are we willing to even lay that down? Like, think of your dream. Think of the dream that you, that, you, that you have. Christian or not, whether it's missional or not, think of the dream that you have. Are you willing to lay that down for Jesus? Just, just like, yes, I'll do it. It's not always easy to say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. God spoke to some friends that we have, and um, she had a very specific dream of the house she wanted to live in someday. They, 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 if you ask them, they would say they don't live in a very nice house now. And so she has this dream like, like any person would of living in a really nice house. And she was praying one day about the things that she wanted to see in our community, about the things she wanted to happen and unfold. And the Lord spoke to her and said, would you be willing to give up your house for this? 
And with tears running down her eyes, she said, yes, Jesus, anything for you. It's not an easy thing. That's why the Bible says count the cost. See, we got to get back to understanding to follow Jesus, there's a cost. It's like, yeah, what he did for me, he paid the price. And I have nothing to pay for my salvation. He paid it. But now to follow him, to, to, to lay my life down and go after Jesus with everything that I am, it's going to cost me something. It's going to cost the things I want. And you know what? It doesn't mean that God can't bless me with those things. But we have to be willing to let him have that what if too. Well, maybe God will allow me to have, just, just let him have it. Just don't even occupy that thought. Just let him have it. Luke 9, 30, or 23. Jesus, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire, desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will lose what you try to keep. Even if you gained all the wealth and power of this world, everything it could offer you, yet lost your soul in the process, what good is that? So why then are you ashamed of being my disciple? Are you ashamed of the revelation truth I give to you? I, the Son of Man, will one day return in my radiant brightness with the holy angels and the splendor and majesty of my Father. And I will be ashamed of all who are ashamed of me. I, but I promise you this. There are some of you standing here right now who will not die until you witness the presence and the power of God's kingdom realm. That's a good word. There's a cost to following Jesus. It's not an easy word to hear, I know. A lot of times I'm like, God, are you sure you want me to say this? I've never been there before. And this is what you want me to lead with? But this thing changed my life. This thing of knowing that there is nothing worth sacrificing Jesus for in my life. There is no dream. There is no aspiration. There is no thing that I want that is worth Jesus in the sense of keeping that thing and not getting Jesus. But on the flip side, what are we willing to give up? See, what if Jesus wasn't, what if, see, fruit is not the goal. If we make fruit the goal, then when we do work in the ministry and we're not seeing fruit right away, what happens? Discouragement. We start getting frustrated. Why aren't people, why aren't people coming? God gave us a word. What's going on? But watch this. If Jesus is our goal, like why do we do this for Jesus, for more of Jesus? What's our purpose, Jesus? What's our goal, Jesus? What's our plan, Jesus? If he is the sole reason we do what we do, 
burnout doesn't happen. Because as long as we get Jesus, it don't matter. Of course it matters. Souls matter, and I'm not saying that matters to Jesus. One day, it was really remarkable when we arrived in Scotland. Some of the most powerful services we had was in Scotland, in class. And, I mean, the presence of Jesus was just so strong. I had not seen anything like that in my life. It was so powerful. And I was thinking about that one day. And I was back home. Because, you know, we call Scotland a post-Christian nation. It's pretty different there. If you see someone on the street my age, and you go up and tell them about Jesus, there's a very good chance they've never heard the name before. It's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? In a first-world country. Scotland could now be considered an unreached people group. Because even the Church of Scotland isn't so keen about Jesus. And so even the official church of the government there, they're not too much about Jesus anymore. So it'd be nothing to, you know, like here we, we get creative to, to present the gospel. You know what I mean? We have, we have to get creative. There you don't have to. You just tell it. And it's the very first time they're hearing it. And the word that is said is it's hard for Jesus to move here. It's hard for God to move here. It's a hard place. But when we were in class and we begin to worship, guess what? Jesus just showed up. And it wrecked our lives forever. We're ruined. It was such a powerful time. And we'd open the windows because there's no air conditioning in Scotland because it doesn't get that warm. But when you have 120 people worshiping Jesus exuberantly, it gets pretty warm in the house pretty quick. And so they opened the windows to let the, the cool Scotland breeze blow in. Maybe some of the rain, because it literally rains all the time over there. And it was just such a beautiful thing. I, I was just sitting there thinking about it, how God was moving in Scotland. And God's presence was falling in Scotland. And so fast forward to maybe three or four months ago, I can't remember, uh, uh, months ago now. I was sitting in church one morning, and it was kind of a drizzly morning, and it just kind of reminded me of Scotland, and I was just kind of reminiscing about that. And the Lord spoke to me so clear. He said, I'm coming for my first world bride. And I was like, and this is before God started changing our direction to here instead of overseas. And I was like, awesome, that's great. Pray for Scotland, pray for America, pray for the UK. You know, I started thinking of all these first world countries. The fastest growing church in the world right now, well, there's two of them, is in China and Iran. Now, we're not hearing about that on the news because mainly they're not talking about it. It's something you can't really talk about in Iran. And it wouldn't make news anyways. The, churches, the church in Iran is growing at such an alarming rate that the Muslim leaders don't know what to do because their mosques are emptying. And you know what I think is so beautiful about it? Is a religion that is so determined to shut the mouths of women, women are leading the movement. Is that not beautiful? Is that not the redemptive power of Jesus? Because the men are so tied up in the Muslim thing that the women are like, we'll follow Jesus and we'll follow him with everything. It's hard 
to come back to America and stay on fire for Jesus. And I'll tell you why. This is one. The clicker at home's another. Facebook. Just just don't it's all trash. Facebook is trash right now. It is a dumpster fire. Just don't get on it. <laughs> just don't get on it. The days that I spend not on Facebook, I am legitimately a happier person. Say, well, what? Well, the end of the world's coming and, and the one world order and all this craziness going around on Facebook. And like, you know what? Let's say, let's say the one world order starts tomorrow and the Antichrist rises to power and takes over the planet. I'm going to be the biggest pain in his rear I can possibly be because the kingdom will still advance. So who cares? Jesus is king. Amen? Jesus is king. It don't matter what's going on in the world. There was a song that they would sing. I don't know if it was a spontaneous song or if it was, um, I, I don't know. I'd never heard the song before, and I tried looking it up. I couldn't find it. But they would sing the song, uh, take a coal from the altar and put it in my chest because I want to burn for you. And they would sing that over and over again, and people would begin to run to the front. And they would get on their faces, and they would lay prostrate because in that moment, and it, it, for a lot of them, for me as well, it was the first time that I had put myself on the altar in that place where nothing else mattered. Call me to the Congo. Call me, call me, to, call me to China. Call me to Japan. To, call me to wherever you want me to go. Call me to America. As long as I get you, Jesus. As long as I get Jesus, because he is the goal. He's the reward. You know, in this passage of scripture, we read it, and I actually have heard it said before, that they didn't really, the disciples wouldn't have understood that what Jesus was saying. When he says, embrace my cross, he wouldn't have really understood what they were saying because he hadn't been crucified yet. But when Jesus was a young boy, there was an uprising in Israel. Do we know about this? There was an uprising in Israel. And the Romans, to teach the Hebrews a lesson, crucified hundreds of thousands of men along the roadways coming in and out of Jerusalem. And Rome said, this is what happens when you rise up against us. And so Jesus, and chances are many of his disciples when they were little boys, had seen what a crucifixion was and what it meant to carry a cross. It wasn't a foreign concept. They knew. See, well, Jesus, Jesus wouldn't call us to dangerous situations. Our safety is important to him. He wouldn't do that. I'm not sure Stephen would agree. And Jesus himself said, can I walk down here? Am I going to cause problems if I walk down here? <laughs> I just like being on the level. Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. What do wolves do to sheep? You know? 
There's a person I follow um, somewhat. His name's Robbie Dawkins. I don't know if you've heard of him. He goes to dangerous places in the world all the time. Muslim countries. Like, he's in a black vein. Like, like his van's the van you stay away from here in the States. You know, it's like a, a, a van with no windows, and it rolls up on the street. And they'll be like, I have a word of knowledge for this person. And they open the van, and they get out. And, of course, they have to be really careful. No one's around. No police are around. Because if they get caught telling people about Jesus in Afghanistan, not good things are going to happen. And so they sneak, in, they sneak out, and they'll say, hey, um, and so they won't say Jesus at first. Because they're like, if you say Jesus immediately, he's like, oh, mm, no. And so they'll, they'll come with a word of knowledge. Hey, uh, I, I feel like there's something wrong with your hip. There's something going on with your hip. You had an accident three, three or four years ago. You were in an accident, and now your hip's jacked up. Is, is that true? And they'll be like, yes. Well, can I pray for you? And at that point, when they think prayer, they don't think Jesus. You know what I'm saying? So they're like, well, you knew that, so sure. And they pray for him in Jesus' name, and he's healed. Boom. Now it's still sketchy, because just because he's healed doesn't mean he's happy that you just said Jesus. And many a times they'll be ministering to someone, and the police start walking up the sidewalks. And they're like rushing everybody back into the van, but not too fast, because you don't want to look suspicious. And, and, and going on down the street. If you follow Robbie Dawkins, you will actually find videos of this. I don't know. He is a brave man to be videotaping some of this stuff. But he's, he's got, because the police have actually taken the video camera from them. And they thought, oh, no. And they looked through everything and handed it back. Said, you're good to go. And they're like, thank you, Jesus. Because he didn't see what was on there. Because if they would have saw... And he has a saying. It's Jesus before safety. That's a tough one. Jesus before safety. Because you see, Jesus loves his Muslim bride. Just as much as he loves his American bride. Just as much as he loves his Asian bride. He loves us all, and he died for all of us. I'm causing problems, aren't I? Jesus just wants our yes. You know what? It looks different. And for the longest time, I had the, I, we, we went through a time. I, I know I'll, I'm going to try to wrap this up. I don't even know how long I've gone. I'm sorry. We went through a time coming back where we was like, how do we, how do we sacrifice everything for Jesus in America? How do we do that? What does that look like? And this is what Jesus wants from us. Yes. A blank check that whatever he says, he fills in the amount, and we do it. We're in the grocery store, we say yes. The person in front of us paid for the groceries. I don't know if I have the money. God says, just do it. Yes. You see what I'm saying? Just this, this, this big yes that encompasses everything he could possibly ask. He just wants our yes. I'm so glad that Jesus, we had Jesus' yes 2,000 years ago. Because what a weight to bear to go to that cross. For a people that he knew some would not even choose him still. But he loved us so much. 
So what has to be behind our yes? Our love for the Father. Our love for God that just drives us. Our hunger for him. That says nothing in this world will satisfy me but you, Jesus. Because here's what I've noticed. When, when, I, when, I start, when I start getting on Facebook too much, or when I start, and I'm, okay, here I am, 33 years old. I love video games. I'm sorry. I know, not popular, but I do. When I start playing video games too much, when I start doing all these things too much, I notice my hunger for Jesus starts lowering. Say, well, why is that? Have you ever tried eating healthy? I have once or twice. Um, you know, when you start eating healthy, your body actually starts craving it, which I thought was a lie and a plan of the enemy at first. Um, when I hear, heard people say that, but it's true. You start drinking water, you start craving it. You don't crave the sodas and the sweets. You start craving that stuff because your body's like, yes, this is what I've wanted all my life. At least my body says that. Um, well, with Jesus, when we start putting junk food in, our cravings start to turn. And all of a sudden, our cravings isn't his presence as much as it used to be. Can I just be real? I just want to be real. I, I don't like... I don't, want to, I don't want to be anything else. I just want to be real with you guys. Our cravings start turning. And all of a sudden, Jesus isn't what matters most anymore. So that means we need to sell our TV and we didn't. No, 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 no. But it means we need to be watched and we need to be purposeful with our actions and what we choose to do. Especially what we allow to go in here and what we allow to go in here. If you are, if you are struggling, with, struggling with anxiety right now, with everything going on, the media and everything that's happening, get in the book of Psalms. Just read it. Just read the book of Psalms. If you can't do anything else, read that book. I just got to the moment of my sermon where I'm like, I guess I need to crash this plane. <laughs> Jesus is good. And I love his presence. Worship, man, worship's the best thing. What do we do a lot? We have worship playing a lot in our house. We, we, we've, we got Spotify just for the worship, just so we can have worship going, worship going, worship going. It doesn't mean we never watch TV or we're weird Christians. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we make his presence a priority because Jesus matters most. You know, in the Bible where Jesus says, I come, this is a hard scripture. I come not to bring peace, but division. That's a hard one. And then he starts talking about all the people he's going to divide. And it's like, Jesus, what in the world? What are you doing? Because my biggest struggle is we're supposed to love everybody. We're not supposed to be divided from anybody. So what does this mean? And it wasn't until I got out into the, into the world outside the United States that I realized what he meant. Because see, in Israel, if you choose Jesus, you're probably not choosing your family. And if actually they find out you're choosing Jesus, you're probably disowned. 
But you know what? They still run to him. Why? Because he's worthy. Because he's good. You know, it's almost a romantic notion to live a life as a missionary. In the church, it's almost a romantic notion to live the life of a missionary and to die as a martyr. You know what I mean? It's almost romantic until you face it. Or until you have to say, yeah, I'll do that, Jesus, even if you call me to. Then all of a sudden it doesn't feel so romantic anymore. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like we hear the stories of the missionaries that go. And like, well, the end of the spear, I'm sure many of you have probably read the book or seen seen the movie. And it was through his death that the gospel got opened up to the entire village. In America, we're pretty good. We probably don't have to worry about that quite as much. Can it happen? Well, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stay up here. Stay up here, Josh. But before, before that can happen, we have to give him our yes, our whole yes. And you know what I find? That fire always falls on sacrifice. That when we sacrifice everything and we lay it down, there's his presence, there's his glory, there's his fire that falls on it. Why? It sustains us. When we lay everything down, it sustains us to follow him. It's his presence. I love what Kai Alpha is doing. I love a missions movement in America. If God calls you to China, go. If he calls you to Africa, go. If he calls you to Russia, go. Wherever he calls you to go, go. If he calls you to America, go. And I love that. I love that he's called a group of people to go. That was amazing what's happening on the campus of IU. Isn't it? Man, I just sat there. I was like fighting back the tears. The, 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 I, I couldn't tell. The, the person that was baptized in the bathtub, I was like, that's amazing. That should be happening in all of our homes. How beautiful is that? What if we say yes to the gospel and something amazing happens and our neighborhoods start meeting Jesus? What happens? We always ask God, what if I look like a fool? What if I do this and I don't make it? What if we start asking the question, what if I do it and then God breaks out in my community and God transforms the school system? What if we start asking those questions? When we went down to Tennessee... A few weeks ago, we didn't know that where we were going was a school, a, a home for children. And they had 60 kids living on base. High schoolers. Or teenagers, rather. 12 to 18. I think the youngest they had there at the time, they had an 11-year-old. And this, this Iris alumni got a job there as a chaplain for this um, secular home, school, uh, home, for, home for kids. Secular. Government. He gets a job there as the chaplain. They have chapel in this little bitty room next to his office. Faithfully, for years, he's doing this. And he's praying, God, we got to see a change. God, we got to see a change. God, we got to see a change. And he starts going after Jesus. He would sneak into the back rooms that, like, where the rooms meet up with, the, uh, with like, where they're having the meetings, like the, the staff meetings. He, I guess the chaplain wasn't invited. So he would, uh, he would sneak up, and he would go into the room next door, and he would play his guitar. He's from Brazil, so he's doing missions here in America. Is that beautiful or what? Is that not cool? 
Um, and he would just start singing worship next to the staff meetings, just going after Jesus. He said, God, we need your presence here. Then all of a sudden, something crazy started happening. God started moving, and kids started getting saved and baptized. Parents of the kids who, you know, had lost the kids into the foster care system, those parents would come and watch the children be baptized. When we were there, they did that that Sunday morning. They baptized, I don't know, 20 kids. I mean, that's one-third of the kids that were on campus. One-third. They baptized them, and this mom and dad walk in, and they just start hugging their daughter. And it just broke me because I thought, Jesus, you are about reconciliation. You are about bringing the family together. You are about restoration, God. And just to see that beautiful thing happen right in front of me. They start going after this thing. And then finally, they just finished the building six months ago. The board of the secular place said, you need a new building. We need to build you a church. A church. And they built, this was the most spectacular building I have ever seen. I didn't feel right wearing shoes in the place. Stone and logs. I mean, it's Tennessee. So picture like the most beautiful building you see in Tennessee. And it was right there with them. This huge facility. Because all of a sudden, God took over a campus and said, no, we need more of this. And so then, then they started giving the chaplain rights to hire people. So then he starts hiring missionaries. <laughs> and God has completely changed that campus. And now when they have chaplain, you're sitting there and all 60 kids and families from the community come in to have church. And the presence of Jesus is there and they get baptized and it's so beautiful. What can God do with our yes? Let me ask this. What can't he do with our yes? If we just say yes, Jesus, all of it, you have it all, my whole heart. My whole life, you are king, and I submit to your kingship. Whatever you say goes, you have my yes. Where's the line drawn, and where does it end? Oh, there's no such thing as Christian spectators. It's a full contact sport. And you're all in the game. There are no bench warmers. We're all here for his purpose and his kingdom. worship team would like to come back to the front. I just want to say I appreciate Micah and David. They're fantastic. We knew them from Ellisville First Assembly years ago. And they're fantastic people. David ran with the Royal Rangers group. And I learned things about Royal Rangers that I had never knew before. Like, it is a fantastic organization. And and they're just fantastic people. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I appreciate them. And I have full confidence that if David brought, is bringing, you know, people in, and it sounds like you guys have selected a minister, I think it's going to be good. And um, I hope that something I've said this morning has challenged you. I am not here to condemn anybody or to rebuke anybody or to make anybody feel bad. That would be the last thing I want to do. I am here to challenge. I am here to challenge you. 
Because I believe with all my heart that God has placed and mandated me to throw fire on the church in America. And it doesn't mean, you know why? It just means that we just get more of Jesus. We just get more of him. Isn't that the answer? Isn't that what we want? We cry out for revival, but what that really is saying is I want more of Jesus. So I tell you what I'm going to do. I want to open up the altar. And I want the worship team to begin to play. And if anything I have said here today has gripped your heart, or if you felt convicted, or if you felt Jesus speaking to you, I want to challenge you to come to the front and encounter Jesus in it. Listen, who cares what anyone behind you is thinking or what they're saying? Listen, Jesus matters most. He gave everything for us. Now it's our turn. See, in heaven, we won't get this opportunity. In heaven, we will have mansions and we'll have wealth and we'll have everything we ever need. But while we are on this earth, we have, the, we have this short time to live. To give him everything and to sacrifice all that we are. It's the only time we get it. It's now. So if you want to give your yes to Jesus and you say, you know what? You know, and I'm not saying, you know what, listen, I could, I could kneel at this altar. Because the closer I get to Jesus, it's like my yes gets smaller because I see more that I haven't said yes to yet. So it's not like a rebuke thing or, or anything like that. But I could kneel at this altar now today again and say yes again. Oh, he's worthy. He's so worthy. So I want to challenge you to come to the front. Are we... I will hover around you and pray. But I want to invite you to the front. If you feel challenged, if you feel God burning on your heart, come to the front while we do this next song.
being here today, Jesus. We thank you for your presence here. You are truly an awesome God. And Jesus, it's all about you. I love that because we get you. You mentioned Abraham and Isaac and Abraham took his son up there, but he knew he'd get more of you, God. And whatever we lay down, we'll get more of you. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. We thank you for the challenge put before us. There are no spectators. I love that. I've coached. There are no bench warmers. We're all out here. And we all get to decide every day. I just love the imagery of everything. The yes gets smaller because there's more as we walk in you. Oh, God, you're an awesome God. We just praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Brother Josh, thank you so much for coming today. Bring your family, Jessica, coming in and, and ministering to us today. Marie and Christopher, thank you so much for coming and sharing. I, I, I don't want to say that, you know, it's, it seems crazy that other countries have to send mission and missionaries to the United States, but they do. I, I'm, I'm not going to recount everything you just said because, you know, <laughs> it's taped. You can go back and watch it. Um, but it, it's true. We're in the mission field. When you go out and you see somebody, that's somebody that you can introduce to Jesus. Um, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I was up here for a reason. Offering. And uh, there's some ways to give. They'll come up there. There's four ways to give. Uh, we have buckets back there. Uh, you can do it online. There's a kiosk back there. You can text. There you go. If you feel like giving today or if you pay your tithes and offerings, it's back there in the back. Um, see Marie in the back. Monthly pledges, right? That is okay. I, I, that was the term I was supposed to use. I just want to make sure that I, that I use the right term. Um, but... If there is any uh, college campus, if there's any other mission, there's, there's no other mission field. I mean, th th it's just so close to us too, right? And I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I'm trying to say something. All right. I was in college. It was a long time ago. But if you're talking about a godless place, a dark place, a place where we send our kids, and they like to tell our kids that we've been wrong, right? What you learned the first 18 years is wrong. Here's what, and I, what they're doing there is amazing. And you may not be able to go there, but you can give, and you can help. I just want to pray over the offering. Also, if you're a guest, welcome. We're so, I have so much, I'm sorry. If, if you give me a mic, I'm going to talk. Um, we are so glad you're here if you are a guest. 
If you're a first-time visitor, we're so glad you're here. There's a little pamphlet you can fill out, and we'll give you a, a gift. There's an information desk back there. You can turn that in. But we are so glad you are here and that you worship with us, and you've been challenged today to go out and make a difference. Dear and Father, we thank you. We thank you for just the service. We thank you for the challenge. Lord, we thank you that you have blessed us, that we can give back to you. In that video, there was a, a girl talking, and she said, you don't build anything that just disappears. That's worthless. You make things that are in your image, and that go forward. Lord, as you just bless this offering as we give it. Lord, I thank Thank you again for the message that was preached. And Holy Spirit, we know that you were, you put everything together, that you talking about the mission field. And as we go out, let us be in that mission field wherever we are, wherever you have placed us. Lord, we just thank you and we praise you. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if any of that was, okay, we got some, a couple announcements here, and then I'm going to let you guys go. We got men's class Tuesday nights at 7 on Zoom. We got women's study at Wednesday nights at 7. We got youth meeting here at 7. And uh, I think that's it. Thank you guys so much for coming out today, and have a wonderful rest of your day. You guys are dismissed.